We now know the identity of Stan Island, and we know the schedule of games they will play. Let's talk about it all today on this episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. All right, we are back again. Episode number 141 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. The slow march, the 365 continues. I'm Nick. He's Will. And I think I can speak for myself here and possibly Will, but I've pretty much gotten over that cold from last week. Yeah, I'm, I'd be lying if I'm saying I'm all the way back, but I'm close. So yeah. like, we're, we're almost, we're almost there. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, feel, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I'm pretty much just in the stage where you're just constantly blowing your nose and everything. But that's about yes. it. I feel pretty damn good. So we've recovered strong and uh, we are looking forward to talking about an exciting week of pretty much just Atlantic League news. That's pretty much all there is to uh, talk the about Atlantic this week. League, the Atlantic League podcast. <laughs> exactly. We're back onto that track. And that's really going to step up in like a week and a half when we start doing interviews again. Actually, literally a week and a half. We're going to have the first interview we're going to be recording. So, yeah, you got that to look forward to. We got interviews scheduled for back-to-back weeks and another one in the works after that. We're really picking up into this. So, pretty much starting in December, we're just churning these out every single week. But that's a little bit ahead of us. First off, we got Stan Island-centric news. And I suppose we'll start with Stan Island before we get onto the Atlantic Lake schedule. But Stan Island, last night, meaning Wednesday night, we're recording this on a Thursday, bit of a change of pace. And... They announced their team name. Obviously, the finalists were Dragon Slayers. It was Fairy Hawks, and it was Harbor Heroes. We've discussed these three names, what we thought about them in length before. We were both very much in the F Hawks category because why not the F Hawks? And we've discussed the downsides with the others. And it became official last night. The Stan Island Fairy Hawks were the winner. So we have the Fairy Hawks logo. We got their color scheme. They actually even have some merch already available. And you can follow the Fairy Hawks at, at Fairy Hawks just about wherever you can find them. So, yeah, pretty solid. Pretty solid. What a missed, what a missed opportunity to, to make it the F Hawks, like their Twitter handle. Oh, God. I, like, honestly, I, I said it on Twitter. I was like, I'm surprised Fairy Hawks was available. And if it wasn't, it should have totally been SIF Hawks. <laughs> Like, like it, it would really embody Staten Island, wouldn't it? It really would, in my opinion, at least. But but anyway, uh, as far as the name, I've been on the Fairy Hawks bandwagon. You've been on the Fairy Hawks bandwagon. We love the Fairy Hawks. Uh, the Fairy Hawks sounds sounds like a great name. I mean, so very excited for that. Uh, what I will say when looking at the logo, I I'm a I. It's really creative. Yeah. Uh, like the overall logo, it's very creative. So I, and I actually thought it works pretty well. I wish the bird would be a little less like cartoonish, maybe. That's the word. Yeah. But (laughs) however, I think outside of that, I love the interaction of, I love how they have the water. Uh, they have the, they have like the bridge, they have the ferry itself and, uh, and although I don't love the design of the bird, I, I, I like the idea. I think it's like the right path. And I, I think it incorporated everything that um, it incorporated everything that logo needed to have. And I think it was very, very nicely done. So I'm actually very happy with how it turned out, to be quite honest with you. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm I think I mentioned this uh, elsewhere, but I give it like a solid B plus, A minus. The bird, I 100% agree, is a little cartoony, but I understand that's just kind of the way logos are done nowadays. They tend to be a little bit more on the, uh, I don't want to say kid-friendly because I think that gives the wrong impression, but a little bit more cartoony side of things. I would have went with a more of a, a simplified classic kind of design on it, but like I in the sense of this isn't what I would pick, but I think it works out really well too. You get the ferry involved, you get the bridge involved, the water, the way he's hitting it, 
and the design is angled almost like the front of the ferry, kind of like the bow of the ferry. So yeah. I, I really like that. The Basically, the lower half of it works independently on its own. I love the font for fairy hawks in there with the little mark in between on each letter. so like about midway through on them. I absolutely love that. I think the font works really well, especially with the uh, <coughs> with the arc on it. I think it works really, really well on that. I also love the SI for the for the hat design there. If you go onto the website, you can see the the SI for uh, for the hats and all their merch. You can pre-order it now, actually, if you really want to. And that's uh, I think shopfairyhawks.com. But you also have one with the birds, kind of like in the foreground on it. There's a bunch of really cool designs. Honestly, the design I kind of like the best is the one where the birds hitting the baseball and it's at the ferry with the Statue of Liberty in the background. I like that almost better than their actual official primary one. I almost like that better just because it seems like it encapsulates New York an awful lot. Like, obviously, you're going heavy with Stan Island. That's going to be your bread and butter base. That's, you know, goes without saying. So having the ferry in there captures that in and of itself. But also having New York, having the Statue of Liberty in there kind of gets you the rest of New York or that general surrounding area. It's kind of, you know, you're proud to have that in your backyard. There's no way around yeah. that. But, yeah, I, I really do think the design came up pretty well. Even if it's not the one I would have picked, I still think it works really well. I still think it's very nice. I agree, yeah. I think it, it, it was very well done. Uh, it, it was creative. I, I like the design. Uh, and it inco- really incorporated a lot of things that it needed to have, uh, that needed to have in the logo and all the things that, Obviously, fairy, the words fairy and hawks don't really have much to do with each other. So the logos kind of have to make that work. Yeah. And I think it did. Uh, so um, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with how it came out. Um, I, I think they did a nice job with it. And as far as the name, I like the name. I think they picked uh, the right one out of, out of the three finalists. Oh, absolutely. So, so I'm happy with that. And uh now I'm, I'm ready to start talking about some baseball with Stat Island, you know? Oh, absolutely. There, We're finally going to get into the point here where we can make, uh, actually, discussion points about baseball decisions. You know, maybe some baseball hires, maybe some actual on-the-field baseball roster decisions, things like that. You know, the real fun and interesting stuff we could really start to get into there. But, yeah, no, Sky Design Studios is the one behind this. I want to say they did the Atlantic League All-Star Game, the one that was supposed to be for 2020 that never happened, obviously. I think they did the logo for that, too. Uh, I don't recall, though. I want to say they did. But, yeah, all in all, it's uh, it's very, very good. Very good. I really like this uh, design. So, uh, with that said, we can move on now to talk about more Atlantic Lake news, and really the last bit of news for the week. Like I said, it's a bit of a lighter week, admittedly so, but even with that, uh, this is still important. The Atlantic League announced their schedule. This was on Monday. Uh, it came out a little bit later than we thought. We thought it was going to be a Friday thing, but I guess it worked out that it was delayed a bit because it gave us something to talk about this week. And sure. uh, a couple of interesting little quirks here. I'm, this is season number 24 for the Atlantic League, as we know. Ten teams. You got your new Stan Island Club in the Ferry Hawks. You have uh, the Kentucky team that we're waiting anxiously for a name for. Um, and we know opening day is going to be the 21st. You know, that's pretty standard around the Atlantic League parts. And, uh, yeah, the bit of an interesting thing here is that it's a 32, 132-game schedule, which I don't think we were really expecting. Normally, it's 126 or 140. Instead, we kind of split the difference and said, all right, well, we're not going to go with either one of those. We're going to just literally pick the middle and uh, go 132 on it. Uh, first half ends on 4th of July. That's pretty standard. Uh, so that's just how it's going to operate. It's pretty much a regular season there outside that 132 number. So, uh, yeah, interesting call. Yeah, I I think some of that, um, you know, it's hard to say that. Um, I'm not really sure the reason for why they did that. Yeah. However, um, I, I don't mind it. You know, I, I think that the interesting quirk of the of the schedule that I think is is far more interesting, honestly, than the than the just the total amount of games played. Yeah, is the fact that teams 
and their like closest rivals are playing 34 times. Yeah. So the Ducks and the, now the Staten Island Ferry Hawks will play each other 34 times. York and, La- and Lancaster are playing 34 times. Um, I believe lot, it's yeah. the same with, with High Point, uh, High Point and Gastonia. Um, and, uh, I would think Lexington and Kentucky as well. Or whatever, whatever that ends up yeah. being. But 34 times. I, I understand. To me, I don't love that. Yeah. Because I, I guess the motivation is trying to maybe cut down some of the travel costs a little bit, cut down a road trip a little bit. Yeah. But I, I think that it almost kind of devalues a rivalry a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when, when you're playing that frequently. When you're playing 34 times yeah. during the season, like, oh my goodness, that is so many games. That, yeah. that you're playing against your quote-unquote rival. And while some teams, the teams that they end up playing 34 times aren't really their rival, like, t- if you're in the same division as somebody, play the same amount of games against every team in your division. I don't love the idea how there's one specific team that you're playing 34 times. It just, seem, it just seems excessive to me. Yeah, like, I, I understand on one hand, because, I mean, it's there's only nine other teams outside of, obviously, the team that's playing in the league, so you got to divvy it up some way. But, yeah, it, it does seem awfully, awfully excessive. The weirder thing for me, though, is somehow, like, how some of these road trips are structured here. Because if you look at, like, Lancaster, for example, if you look at in July, from the 1st of July until the 22nd of July, which would be their first road game there. They only play two road games in there, the 4th and the 5th of July. They're on the road. Every other game, they are playing at home. So that's, what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. There's about 17 games in a row they're playing at home. Obviously, there's that mini road trip there, but yeah, it kind of goes by the wayside. Then you flip the the script on them, and from August fifteenth until the thirteenth of September, they only have three home games. One home game series against uh, Long Island at the very end of August, and that's just very weird to me. Likewise, if you look at the end of June for them, from the seventeenth till the thirtieth, all on the road. So it just seems like you're getting more and more massive road trips on the schedule, at least from some of the ones you look at here. And I'm not sure if I'm a big fan of that. Um, I understand why it works on one hand, because, you know, obviously, uh, if you're playing a lot of games at home in a row, it's probably a bit easier to sell tickets to it. At the same time, though, if you're not at home for long stretches of time, you would think that that would possibly even hurt sales simply because people kind of forget about uh, you being there. And it's not on all the schedules, but every team seems to have at least one of these weird road trips. If you look at uh, <clears throat> the Dirty Birds, for example, theirs comes May 10th through May 23rd on the road, that whole two-week stretch there. And so, why, yeah, a one or one-and-a-half-week-long road trip isn't unusual. It just seems like some teams got stuck with almost a month-long road trip, and that seems way excessive. Yeah, it's a it's it's a weird setup and a weird schedule, and I just wish that uh, I, I I don't I don't remember it ever being like that. Uh, and granted, yeah. there's there's more the league is now stretched and covers a lot more territory than it ever has before. I mean, you always had the outlier of Sugarland, and there was eventually those times where um, teams would go down to Sugarland and play seven straight games. Yeah. Um, and that made sense at the time, for sure. I think that um, it's just the some of those some of the road trips just seem like way too long and kind of just I I, I caution to say just like cost cutting measures, but I guess that's what they are. I mean, yeah, probably. Um, you're buying a bulk essentially yeah so i don't know i i I think that it 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 can work uh it'll it it will work it's just a little bit um it's just it's just a little different um and i guess we'll see how the schedule changes when the league moves to 12 teams 
uh, next season. Mm. But at least for at least for right now, uh, I don't know. Th- those are my two main my two main problems with the schedule. And I know it's hard to really get that upset over schedule release, and I'm yeah. not doing that. I'm just kind of just saying things that I think are a little abnormal or interesting. Yeah. And that's uh, that's really just uh, the 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 teams that are play like 34 games against their specific rivals and um and the other teams but it also it also kind of seems like a like a covid type scheduling but mm. it doesn't really make any sense for where it doesn't really make much sense for where we are at this point yeah um in the pandemic so maybe and maybe it had nothing to do with covid but it, it seems like something you would do kind of just during during COVID and similar to how like, you know, like how hockey last year and you're playing the the freaking devils and Rangers are playing each other eight times in in a, in a stretch of like however many months. And it's, it's weird, but, um, it almost made those matchups kind of like, eh, like not as, not as interesting as for example, how amazing that first game was between the devils and the Rangers, not to go off on a total hockey tangent. Oh, we'll go off on that tangent in like, five ten minutes once we're done with this schedule we're gonna go off yes. on that tangent but yeah. but yeah no i see what you're saying it is a bit odd to be playing a bunch of games against the same team in such a condensed time frame and i mean again the league it isn't terribly large enough i think to where you need to do you know all interdivision play I, I would think if you were at 12 or 14 teams then i would understand that or if you were spread out like the frontier league is then that would make sense as to, you know, spreading out, having, you know, your one conference play games against, you know, your interconference, basically just interleague play. Uh, I, I totally get that. In that case, in the case of the Atlantic League, yeah, they're more spread out than they were before, but even still, they're mostly still on the East Coast. I mean, you have the two outliers that are a little bit further west, but I mean, even still not that big of a deal. You could probably just have everybody play, what, about twice, about that roughly, because, let's see, or not twice, I'm not sure what I was saying there. You could probably have everybody play about 10 or 15 times you play everybody, and it'd work out roughly, probably 10 would get you to 90, so if you want to say everybody 10, and then you fill in the last some odd with the other teams in your division you could easily do that and i think that would work out just fine so it is a bit of a weird scheduling quirk here uh on that note though i do kind of want to just address things that we didn't see or things that remain the same that maybe we talked about not wanting to be there the half system again something that's still there which again is much maligned by me and others i again would have loved to see them say screw in the half system and let's go with the same thing that the American Association used last year, which would have been so much better. Or if you just want to say, all right, we're just going to give, you know, one playoff like birth to the overall first half champion and make everybody else duke it out for that last kind of bit. That would have been right. cool, too. You know, honestly, like I understand why they're doing divisions. I totally get it. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad decision either. But at 10 teams... I wouldn't be against just saying screw the divisional format even and just rock and roll with a 10 team division. Cause you're, like I said, like I was, but I just about to go on, you're kind of playing the same team's division or no division either way. And I think if anything, it would probably make scheduling maybe a little bit easier. You know, it still gets the same result. And then we don't wind up in a situation where we're having one divisions weaker. And we have an undeserving team get in because they just happen to win a weak division. And on the flip side, we have, you know, three teams that are all well above 500. And one of them is going to miss out on the postseason because, you know, we have two weak half division champions on the flip side there. You know, I I just think that going to 110 team division or or no divisions rather would not necessarily be the worst thing in the world. I, per, I disagree with that because I think, honestly, when you look at, like, baseball and, like, historically speaking and, like, pretty much all leagues, there's there's always like, – the division alignment has always been a thing. And, yeah, you're going to get uh, – you're going to get times where um, where one division is better than the other. That's kind of inevitable. 
But at the same time, I think that in a league like the Atlantic League, I don't think you can have one 10-team division and have Long Island essentially have to have to play Lexington with that that bus ride being however however many hours like ten hours. I don't think you could have them playing like the same amount of times or very similar to them playing Staten Island. And I think that if you were to mess with the schedule and make that not the case, then you might as well just split them up into two divisions. I agree with. Um, the one thing is about you saying that if you wanted to change the half thing to just making an o- whoever has the best overall record in the first half, give them a berth, an automatic playoff berth, and let everyone else duke it out. I would be down for that because I, I think that represents that represents a good compromise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that um, it still rewards a team that comes out blazing in the beginning, which um, – Especially in indie ball, where teams change so so much and rosters change so much, I think that could make some sense. Um, but I think I, I so I agree with that. I would like to see that change be made to the half system in the Atlantic League, but I, I don't think that going to just one ten team division is the answer. See, the only thing I would counter that with is. The Atlantic League has never really been too much of a history-driven league as of late. I mean, with all the very crazy experimental rules and whatnot there, they don't seem to particularly care for history. Uh, maybe not even necessarily in the worst of ways. I mean, it is trailblazing in a way, and a lot of stuff that's been tested in the Atlantic League has either managed to make its way to affiliated ball or will eventually make its way to major league ball. So, I mean, it works in that sense, but regardless of that, Again, like, I, I see what you're saying about the divisional halves and whatnot, but I feel like, again, when there's only 10 teams, it's not the worst decision in the world. And travel-wise, long road trips fix that, and we're seeing even with a divisional system, there's still a lot of long road trips built into the schedule. So if, you know, you're playing a long road trip against a team that isn't in your division or a long road trip against a team that is in your division at the end of the day, it's still a long road trip and you're still trying to win the game because the, the wins are at the end of the day, what really matters. So I don't think that it really makes much of a difference here. Uh, <clears throat> whether there's a big division or a small division, the only difference is at least then if you're a good team, you know, you just have to keep winning. And if you're in the top four at the end of the year, um, then you're in the top four at the end of the year and you're in the postseason, as opposed to if I'm a good team, I know I have to be better than like the two other teams in my division, or at least one of the other teams in my division that have a realistic shot at even possibly ma- making the postseason. And that's only if things work out a certain way. It, it just really, for me, the getting rid of the division thing kind of eliminates what we'd see with like a high point situation last year where you have a team that has the best record in the league not make the postseason. And to me, that just is not the the way the system's supposed to work. It, the system's designed to get us the best four teams to make the postseason. And if the divisional system is not working, then the system itself isn't working and needs to be changed, at least in my mind there. And the same thing happened with Bridgeport. Uh, I think it was like two or three years earlier could have been four years earlier even and they're a team that should have made the postseason they wound up not making the postseason and i just want to make sure that the best teams make the postseason and if the team with the best overall record misses out in because of the divisional system or misses out because of the half system whatever it is it needs to kind of go away and i think getting rid of the divisions is the best solution of that because halves or no halves you still kind of open up the door to saying, okay, the good teams still have a shot here because now they're not just contending against a certain amount of teams, they're contending against, you know, a larger pool here. So why, yes, it does make it a bit more difficult because you're competing against more teams at the same time. If you're a good team, it makes it easier because now that playoff spot that was not going to be available to you just became available to you. I think that's a way more of a problem with the half system, which I agree with a lot of your... Um, a lot of your concerns about. I think that's a lot more representative of of a problem with the half system than it is with the with the divisional system. 
because we've seen like the, I mean the American Association as divisions. True. I mean the Frontier the Frontier League as divisions. Uh, but that but they never have this issue. The difference is the half system. And I agree that that um that if you want to axe the, the half system, I'd be all for it. But I don't think that the having divisions is necessarily the problem. Because I don't think you really have a league that we can point to that for baseball that doesn't have divisions, especially when you're playing like series or whatever. I just don't think having that kind of system works. But I think that when you have a, a, a situation like high point where you're the best, the best record in the league and you don't make the postseason, that's a lot more of a problem with the half system than it is with specific divisions. Because if you X the halves, and you keep the two divisions. High point is still in the post. It's still easily in a playoff spot. With um, if you if you keep the two divisions and you axe the half system, high point with the best record in the league is still easily in the playoffs. Um, in 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 that yeah. in like a normal like I'll just use like American Association Frontier League type system. So I, I think that's more the issue you're looking to attack, not not necessarily the divisions themselves. I suppose. I mean, again, I'm not like terribly attached to <clears throat> to just axing the whole, you know, uh, divisional system. I would say that Can Am did get rid of that. Granted, there's only six teams in that league as opposed yeah. to ten, so it's a little bit different. But even still, I I do think that's kind of worthy of note. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just think if you open up now technically three other playoff spots that wouldn't have existed to one division, that you could still accommodate all of the great teams in that one division and the team that would have otherwise won the the weaker division still gets in. I just kind of see that as the, the easiest solution here because otherwise... If you don't open up both wild cards uh, that are available in the current system, at least one team is going to get squeezed out. And I'm not sure, like, I'm sure the halves removing them is one way of doing that. But I just think getting rid of the division overall could also cure it. I think there's multiple solutions to that problem. Like I said, I'm not terribly attached to it. It's just a, a, an idea I wanted to put out there. Yeah, I, I think it's. I, I'd be I'd be more inclined to just get rid of the halves than than just totally yeah. axe the divisions, and I think that would that would honestly I think would solve the majority of the majority of those issues. Hmm. All right then. So I think we've kind of said our piece mostly on that. I'm not sure if there's anything else that I really want to address in the schedule. I'm not sure uh, if you if you saw anything else you wanted to get to uh, in the schedule. There will, but. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty good on the schedule. Yeah, I think so. All right. So on that note, I don't think there's too much else to talk about in the world of independent league baseball. We're only at about a half hour in, but we do have something else to talk about here that we mentioned last week, which is that we had a wager, and we need to talk about that. Yes. Because to get people up to speed in case you've forgotten or you missed that part of the show last week, the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers were playing a game of ice hockey uh, this past week. And so the decision was made that we were going to wager something. We were still figuring out what it was, and I tweeted it out. So in case you didn't see the tweet on uh, at Indie Ball Pod, then the decision was whoever's team lost would buy the winner a shirt of any Indie Ball of the winner's choosing. So first off... That was one hell of a game, wasn't it? Oh, awesome. Game of the that, year. That was just... That was... I don't think I've seen a Devils-Rangers game that good. It's been quite a while, honestly. Oh, yeah. Since I've seen, since I've seen a Devils-Rangers game that good. Because, I mean, at least recently, I mean, the Devils obviously have sucked. The Rangers really haven't been that great either. Uh, at least this year, and it's obviously it's super early. The Rangers are very good. And and the Devils are like right in that. I mean, I think they're in a wild card spot right now. Obviously, super early. Yeah. Um. So, it's certainly good things. And man, just an incredible, an incredible hockey game. 
with uh, with just momentum swings and back and forth, um, a, a shootout with two awful goaltenders. I mean, oh my goodness! But a scorpion was, save. Oh, that is true. I know. Like, <laughs> to be honest with you, though, like just addressing in that shootout. Yeah. When the Devils had the opportunity to win that game two separate times during that during the shootout, if Bernier could just make a save, and he could, and listen, Bernier was thrown into a tough spot, right? Oh yeah. Coming yeah. into the third, like it, it was a tough break, and and Mackenzie Blackwood ended up being fine. I mean, you could make an argument that that third goal uh, shouldn't have been allowed uh, with goaltender interference. It would have been close. I would have loved to see Lindy Ruff challenge, but Lindy Ruff didn't challenge for some odd reason because lindy ruff only will challenge when it's a player's first career nhl goal that's why ah true so uh it was at least with burner was thrown in a tough spot and blackwood ended up being fine he he was pulled by a concussion spotter uh so it wasn't even really his decision or the coach's decision to come out for him to come out of the game so and honestly i thought like when burner came in uh, the rest of the third period and overtime, I thought he did a really good job. Yeah, no, um, he, he definitely. He, plus, I think the team in front of him started playing better. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, and like, and the, it went to a shootout, and neither goalie was very good during the shootout. Um, and, and I want to, I want to ask you about the first goal that the Devils scored. Um, or no, was it the first goal or the second goal? The one where uh, it was the first one because it was when Jesper Bratt scored on the breakaway right. and Georgiev, like, oh, he just he, didn't try, yeah. Just, no, he just literally just like stood straight up and Bratt just like fired it like through his legs, yeah. Like, but Georgiev didn't even try to get down in the butterfly. It was the most because I was watching it with with a good friend of mine who's a Ranger fan. Yeah. And we were both trying to figure out what the hell Georgiev was doing there. Uh, that's how Georgiev plays. Uh. Plays breakaways. He's just not good on breakaways. That's why I texted you when we went to the shootout. I was like, oh, we're done. I was like, it's done. And like, I was just thinking, like, whoever had Gorgiev playing pretty damn good for his standards and getting better as it went along in a shootout and making a scorpion save to set up a game winning goal, man. I, you gotta go buy a lottery ticket if you had that one peg because he's just not very good on breakaways and so that's why i was like terrified and then like as the list of ranger players coming off the bench for the shootout kept going i was like okay that makes sense that makes sense and i was like wait what kevin rooney why kevin oh rooney? my god i was like, when kevin, when I was like it would be perfect when Kevin Rooney came out to take a shootout, I I was elated. I just I was so happy that Kevin Rooney was coming out for the shootout, and I was just like I had I knew there was no chance he was scoring. Like had I, I knew it was over. Like I I wasn't even nervous. Like my heart was pounding. Like with each like like guy who was coming up for the shootout, not for Kevin Rooney. Like, I knew there was no way he was going. The thing I want to know, because I'm not against it, because I'm like, you know, playing his former team, perhaps maybe he's got a little bit of something there. Kevin Rooney's actually pretty good the last two years. I mean, like, low-key, I'm, I'm rooting for him to make Team USA. But at the same time, I was like, Adam Fox is still on the bench. And for whatever reason, he has yet to shoot. Perhaps yeah. Adam Fox, the reigning Norris Trophy winner, and to be honest, probably front runner for another Norris, is I would I would argue with that. Yeah, uh, I would say that's probably true. For some reason, he is shooting after Kevin Rooney, and then when they ran Kreider out there, I was like, he's zero for one, and he hasn't taken a shootout shot in like forever in a day. And I mean, like, I like Kreider. Don't get me wrong, but he's largely like a deflection specialist. This is kind of what he right. does. Perhaps Proper not the play best. guy. Yeah. And then he potted it. And I was like, oh, okay. It worked out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was, it was, it was a really fun game. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and to be honest with you, I was like, once the Devils got a point in that, I was happy because I thought they kind of, they kind of stole a point there, to be quite honest with you. I mean, they mm -hmm. scored this tying goal against the Rangers' fourth line. And literally, my friend who I was watching with, said literally called it before she said all right rangers fourth lines out on the ice devils are tying it <laughs> see and right after devils tied it. it and see the fourth line hasn't even been that bad this year it's been a very solid like energy line ryan reeves has you know done an 
awful lot better than I expected. Plus, he just fed that kid his lunch on, uh, what was it, Monday, I think it was. I heard. Yeah, or I Tuesday. Heard. It was Tuesday, yeah. yeah. I honestly don't know what that poor bastard was thinking. Because, like, Reeves was, like, just kind of standing around for a second, like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you positive Ooh. this is the decision you want to make? And the kid still wanted to fight him. And it's almost like Reeves said, all right, then, I just want you to know, you did this to yourself, not me. And... Yeah, he just beat the hell out of that kid. It was very impressive. He just doesn't know. He doesn't know who he's messing with with Ryan Reeves. Yeah, clearly. I just yeah, it was just one of those where it's like, oh god, yeah. But no, nah, that the Ranger Devil game to get back on point. It was probably one of the best games of the year so far. And I don't know how you watch that and are not a fan of hockey. Like that's just a hockey game through and through. Although I do feel pretty bad for Sammy Blay. I mean, he his season's done now. After that, ACL kind of exploded on him. and I, Yeah. Yeah. And, like, when that happened, I was like, it's PK in the corner. And they were showing the replay. It's like, it looks pretty accidental. I'm not going to lie. No. I, but it's PK I Subban. Totally, yeah. I understand, like, why Rangers fans hate Subban. And to be honest with you, as a Devils fan, I don't like him either. He's yeah. very bad at hockey. Uh, <laughs> however... That specific play, and, and of course, I'm like, my phone's like, my, I'm getting my phone blown up by all yeah. my Ranger fan friends about, about how PK Subban just did it again. And I'm like, no, watch the replay. It, like, that, it was, it was very little contact, and the contact there was, was pretty, it looked very accidental to me. And I was, and literally during that preseason game, I was the first person to be like, yep, that is a, that is a super dirty play by PK. 100%. Yeah, and this one it, it just wasn't it though. It wasn't the same. It it was just kind of a coincidence. It's, and see, I agree with that, but at the same time, like any other player, I'd one hundred percent believe it's an accident. But it's PK Subban there, so it's like he kind of has a track record. Not only like going back to when he came into the league with Montreal, but especially this year, he's done this shit like two or three times. So like. I want to believe it's an accident because it looks an awful lot like an accident, but it's PK. And so he's kind of lost the benefit of doubt for me. I under, I understand why. I definitely do. Uh, but I think this one was a pretty clear, was a pretty clear accident, at least in my view. Yeah. But yeah, that, that whole game was just so good though. I mean, like everything about it was so perfect. I, know. And, uh, I can't, and, and then I look at the schedule. I'm like, all right, great. When do they do this again? And this it's March. Freaking March. There uh, we go. There you are. That works. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know why they made the schedule like that. It's yeah. stupid. And now I have to wait until March for another Devils Rangers matchup, which is sad. Yeah. Uh, and, and that that was not great. Yeah. Um, it's like but, they play once in like the first what four months of the season, five months of the season, and then like. Yeah three times in two weeks it's like okay that's yep. great that's fun but at the same time it's like i would have loved to have one in december or january like that would have been perfect and i understand the olympics kind of puts like a giant two-week break in the middle of the season but mm -hmm. um yeah which you know it's gonna be weird they have the all-star break that bleeds right into the olympic break that's odd ain't it um because that's going to be a lot of downtime for a lot of players. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Like, I didn't even think about that, to be honest with you, just because I'm yeah. so excited for the for NHL players in the Olympics. So, like, I didn't even really think about that, but that's definitely that's definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, um, I think that... Uh, It'll be something. It'll be something to monitor. But I am very excited for for the Olympics for Team USA. Um, yeah. And uh, are you are you a big Team USA hockey guy, Nick? For hockey, yeah. For hockey, okay. Yeah. So Rich. we we can we can uh, one we can finally join forces in hockey. Oh uh, god, the for, Vancouver for Olympics. I felt so like awkward because even though I'm a North Dakota uh -huh. fan, I really wasn't big in North Dakota at that point. So when Parisi scored the goal to tie, I was like. I am so conflicted cheering about this. I was like, I on know. one hand, we just tied up. We got to go shot gold. On the other hand, I was like, but it was a devil player that did it. 
And then, of course, the game just mysteriously ended and they didn't award a gold medal in that year, right? It never yeah, happened. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what happened. The game just ended. Yeah, it happens. It's funny how that shit happens. Uh, would have been so nice to get payback for so anyway like, the, the wager you have to even though yeah. even though it was a shootout the devils could have won it was very close they got a point uh a deal is a deal so yeah. w- which team are you thinking here you know that's the thing like i kind of want to throw this to social media because i figure you could always wait the week and then you get the black friday sales to really bring the price down on some of these shirts so sure. I'm, I'm debating here between like say the monarchs because i mean Cooling, cool branding there, of course. Um, perhaps maybe High Point because they got some nice stuff too. I, I'm honestly really kind of conflicted here. I don't know. Well, that's a decision only you can make. So. I know. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking again, I'm going to appeal to Twitter. I'm going to throw up a, uh, a poll between two or three teams. Leave it up for like, say, two or three days. And then roll with whatever the poll tells me to roll with. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I think that's what we do. And then uh, I'll let you know the result of that poll and then formally announce it next week. I think that's. I think that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to roll with here. So, um, Let's do it. Yeah. So at that point, I think we're kind of at the end of the line this week. A bit of a shorter week, but there really wasn't too much to talk about outside of, you know, hockey and Staten Island Ferry Hawk baseball. So... With that said, I suppose we'll go to the plugs and then we will uh, get out of here after that. Uh, if you want to follow the show and find out where that poll is going to be so you can vote in the poll, be sure to go to at IndieBallPod on Twitter. Uh, you'll see uh, pretty much the links to the show that are pinned as the tweet and you will also have the uh, poll that I'll probably just make a thread out of. So it'll be the, the tweet promoting the show and then the poll right after that so you want to do that you could also go over to uh indie ball report on instagram and follow there and aopb underscore news also on instagram for that there also i feel like i should probably start promoting uh we are going to be doing the annual q a again it's a matter of just is it going to be the week that christmas is or the week that new year's is so it's going to be one of those last two weeks of december so be sure to start getting your questions in now if you got them you could send them on either the any of the three places i just mentioned or you can email them to us at indieballreport at gmail.com that is also a great place to send questions if you got them sooner the better if they're more like in-depth kind of having to do real journalism and reporting type questions uh you'll want to send those in sooner than later because then you know we can actually do research into those questions uh if they're more just kind of superficial questions in the sense of you know just asking opinions on stuff or if they're personal questions or questions about the direction of the show or or suggestion kind of questions like oh have you ever considered doing this what kind of guests do you want to have on that kind of a thing they can Kind of wait a little bit later on, but sooner the better with questions uh, as a rule of thumb there. Uh, anywho, you can find the links to everything we mentioned as, as well as the show notes and all previous episodes on the website, IndieBallReport.com. Uh, with that said, be sure to just rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts because the show is available just about anywhere you can find podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Deezer, Podomatic, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, like I said, just about anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find the show. And with that said, do we have anything else left to add? I, I have something to say to to finish off the show. And All right. this is this is about something that the two of us the two of us equally dislike. Okay. And that's New York Yankees fans. Oh God, yeah, they've been annoying on Twitter. So let me just say, it is so annoying that literally any good player that could possibly be traded that could possibly be traded like not even yeah. not even like likely or just reported, like a slight rumor yankee fans just claim them and they just propose these insane mock trades like we we get Matt Olson and we give you one decent prospect uh, as well as Miguel Andujar, who nobody wants, and Clint Frazier, who like maybe can't play baseball again. So, and, and they think that these other teams are just like 
they have to do it because they're the Yankees. And it is the most annoying thing ever. It's entitlement and is what it is. It's, it literally is entitlement. And it's amazing. How can you feel entitled when your team has had as little success as the Yankees honestly have had for the last 15 years? What have they won? They've They're won like Cowboy fans. Series. They're like Cowboy fans. They haven't won anything. They haven't been a real team since like the early 2000s, 90s. They've won a World Series in there, which I know as a Mets fan, it's like, yeah, I'd love to have a World Series there. But even still, it's like, hey, we want to point to more successful teams. The Astros are more successful, cheating or not. They won one World Series with the trash cans, but the everything else, they went back to the World Series how many times since then? Then they weren't doing that True. cheating. The Dodge have yeah. had a whole hell of a lot of success. Hell, even the Nationals have had more success. I mean, hell, actually, you want to get down to it, since 2010, the Mets have been more successful. At least they went to a World Series, more than what the Yankees can say. And you could point out, oh, well, you know, playoff appearances and crap like that. Great. Getting bounced in the first round doesn't give you any credit. Hell, if you want to talk about the two more successful AL East teams, the Red Sox by far have passed you by. And hell, the Rays make a very good case. Even the Blue Jays aren't that far behind, at least in my mind. They got no, not over. at all. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. They would have had the AL MVP and the AL Cy Young winner if Shohei Otani didn't decide to just do once in a generation type stuff. I mean, really, like, come on. Then also, all the ones they're like, well, we're just gonna wind up getting Olsen. We're gonna wind up getting like Trevor Story or like Jose Corey Seager. Ramirez. Yep. We'll trade for Jose Ramirez. Yep. Justin Verlander was a big one on their wish list too. Oh yeah. And then they were I like, can't, I can't believe it. How he, he didn't like? How dare Justin Verlander resign with the Astros? I know. How like, dare? That's ridiculous. He was destined to be a Yankee. How dare he resign with a team that just went to the World Series and that he won a World Series with how many years earlier? I mean, really, how dare he? That's only three, what, three AL pennants in like, what, four or five years? Oh, God. Yeah, three three and five years, I think. Yeah, now that's Yankee-like numbers, I'd say, but yeah. I know. And they're just like, if Cashman doesn't pull it off, he should be fired. And I'm thinking, if Cashman's fired, the first thing the New York Metropolitan should be doing is calling him. Uh, Oh, yeah. Don't even move your, don't, don't change apartments or nothing. You could just move to a different borough. It'll be fine. It's like it's like the callers on the fan think that they should be running the New York Yankees. Oh god! Like it, it is, it's the it's the worst, honestly. And that's the part about the offseason that is that is just terrible. Where the Yankees just claim everybody. Like last year, it was Luis Castillo for the Reds. Yeah. Like they're just claiming him, despite the fact there was no indication at all that the Reds would be willing to trade him. Because I don't know, he's like a good, a good, controllable young starter. So automatically, he needs to be a New York Yankee by taking uh, your fifth best prospect and two people that uh, and, and two people that nobody else wants. I like that. I liked when they were trying to put together trades for Degrom, and I was like, first off, the Mets are not going to trade Degrom for two major reasons. One, they're going to re-sign him because they'd be stupid to let him walk. I could give a shit about his age. The man's going to win multiple Cy Youngs for New York. He, there's no way he should yeah. be moved. And what do you know? He wound up doing that. And then the second reason, I was like, plus we got Brody Van Wagen at the helm. He's, he's too stupid yeah. to, uh, you know, actually trade him for assets. If anything, he'll he trade him never. to... Yeah, it was like, if anything, he'll trade him to, like, the Angels for, like, the dying corpse of Albert Pujols and some other crappy starter and some random that they have. That's what Pretty he'll much. do, like he did with Cano. So I was like, but he's not getting traded. So I'm not sure why you keep talking about this. And then when he re-signed, all the Yankee fans were like, I can't believe he re-signed. I was like, he never Fire said he wanted to leave. That off. Yeah, it's like he didn't want to leave. And when you have the best pitcher in baseball, you don't force him out the door. Hell, you don't even play hardball with him. You tell him, how much money do you want and how many years? And then you go, okay, that's acceptable. And then you sign the man. It's a very simple thing when you're dealing with, like, best at position type players. Typically, you just say, here's a blank check, fill in the numbers, let's agree on five years, and let's go from there. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that wraps up my, my right on Yankee fans. It just seems like a timely one. And it, this yeah. week, it was particu- it was particularly bad this week. Oh, it's only going to get worse when Seeger winds up signing with the Dodgers. And then they wind uh-huh. up having to take a consolation prize in, like, Story or Baez or something. Yeah. 
that it's gonna be it's gonna be funny yeah i'm really hoping that like olsen gets dealt to like the red Sox or something for whatever reason just because i don't i don't think the red Sox would go after him i mean it makes no sense for it but still it'd be funny yeah it it would be really really funny yeah oh god then just imagine alcs yankees are back it's game seven like bottom of the ninth tie game here and there's a runner on third, and it's Matt Olson that winds up coming up for the Red Sox, and he just belts one gently up the first base side, and whoever they have at first base, whether it's Rizzo or somebody else, they Buckner it. Red Sox mm-hmm. win. They go to the World Series like that. Wouldn't that be Full fun? Full circle. Oh, Full circle. Honestly, at that point, it's like, this is just, this is like poetry right now. Exactly. Oh, that would be lovely. But yeah, only thing left I have to add is something I think we should probably we might want to do this year because I never realized because this isn't a thing, but I think you can make it a thing. Fantasy indie ball, and the way you got to do this is at the beginning of the year you just pick your team and you just roll with it for the whole year. But there's so much movement and so many like changes. That's what in makes it fun. Purchase. I don't know how you do it. You can also do, I guess, like a week by week basis where like each week you pick a team and you roll with that and you see whose team's the best. And then you go back at the end of the week and see like, okay, like you have to pick like, let's say five stats. So you pick like home runs, batting average, say runs scored, uh, maybe like stolen bases. Uh, you and like walks or something like that for the one half. So for the one team. For the batting side. And then for the pitching side, you go with like, I guess ERA would make sense. Whip would probably make sense. Um, strikeouts. And if you wanted to go with like a wins or a saves, you could probably do that. You want to keep it like easy enough to, you know, calculate there. And you pick like three starters, two relievers, and then like three outfielders, maybe like four infielders and a catcher. And you roll with that. I think that would be kind of fun to do. I think it would be a lot easier, you know, for the whole course of the year. And you just have to kind of, like, guess and choose who's not going to get picked up. So you'd be like, all right, let's see, who's not going anywhere? Uh, like, the sad part is, like, this year, it would have been like, well, David Kubiak's like a slam dunk pick because he's like, he's going to pitch well, and he's not going to go anywhere. And then he gets purchased, and you're like, oh, well, that was not expected. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I think it would be kind of fun. I- that would be fun if it was like a week to week thing. I think doing it for the whole season would be kind of hard. But. Yeah, I think like I think we should probably do like the week for week thing. I think that'd be a, a nice, entertaining thing to do. I think, if, but if we do this, I want you to know if you're not taking Adam Brett Walker at one, I'm taking him at two. <laughs> he's going. He's first round material there because you know he's good for like at worst like 25 home runs. So that's just right. worth it in and of itself. Exactly as yeah. you should. Yeah. But, yeah, that's all I got to add this week. Fantasy Indie Ball. Think about it. So, with that said, we managed to get this to nearly an hour this week, which is impressive. And I don't think we have anything else left to add. So, until next time, don't forget to play ball.